0: I'm Weebieb. You are listening to the beautiful sounds of praise and worship on Praise Until Dawn, here on the Praise Broadcasting Network.
1: Want to welcome our Roku listeners. If you have Roku, great way to listen to Praise Until Dawn and Praise Broadcasting Network. Just search for if if you don't already know, just search for PBN or Praise Broadcasting Network. And I also want to say hello to all of our iWatch listeners, tablet, iPod, iPad listeners, Samsung, iPhone, and other phone listeners, and, of course, our laptop and desktop listeners, and our iHeartRadio listeners. And I'm, I'm sure I've left somebody out, but whatever platform you're using to listen, welcome. Those listening by Alexa, ask her to play... PBN Classic on TuneIn. I actually use Alexa to monitor PBNRadio.com. Great way to listen. Good sound on it. I also want to remind you about our PBNRadio.com Facebook page as well as my personal site. Go to our PBNRadio.com homepage at PBNRadio.com and click on the little blue and white Facebook logo at the top it has a a small letter F which is white with a a circle of blue behind it that's Facebook that will take you to our pbnradio.com Facebook page for my personal page while you're at the pbnradio.com Facebook page go up to the search bar and at the top enter Pat Rutherford 1232 Pat Rutherford 1232
0: say thank you
1: Okay, another day to be on the air with you. This is... You know, I keep thinking about it. And I have the coolest... we, We used to use that back in the 60s. The coolest job. And it's not even a job to me. In the world. I do. It's not the highest paying job in the world. We work as missionaries around here. Uh, I don't know too many... I don't know any rich missionaries. Now, that's not to say that there aren't any, but you have to give up quite a bit. I mean, Claudia and I have been over there. We've been missionaries out in the bush. Uh, Tanzania, East Africa. Um... You have to be committed to what you're doing to be a missionary. Of course, you have missionaries that are in New York City. You don't have to be overseas. Where is Jesus calling you to? I I am just obsessed with this word. Well, two words. No Compromise. And I guess I I was first introduced to it when when Claudia and I were, were first introduced to Keith Green back in about 1980, I think it was, yeah? 40 years ago. 40 years ago. And one of his songs, well, one of his albums was called No Compromise. And that has just been on my heart for the longest time. No compromise. Jesus, and I've been trying to muse on this one. I love that word, muse. You, You know I do. It's more than just think. It's more than just, wow. Muse. On that it's, it's more than just daydreaming daydreaming is, is kind of like uh, you're thinking about something but you're not really thinking you know you're just dreaming about something you know and it's during the day this is full on no compromise Jesus and God are madly in love with us how do I know? They they hatched a plan. They hatched a plan. God was going to be the Father. Jesus going to be all of them. God, but but Jesus was going to be the one who became flesh. Why why did he come become flesh? Why couldn't he just walk around as God and go through all of this? And because you can't look on God. You can't touch God. He's a searing fire. He's uh, to his enemies, he, uh, to his kids' enemies. He is unapproachable. Uh, you just look his way, and your eyes burn out of your, your head because he's so bright. He had to, like, put, put a blanket around him to, to hide. His glory. You know, even the word glory is is not good enough. Moses talks about what happened to him when he got in God's presence. God would not let Moses even look on his face. But Moses saw the back of him. God told him you look on my face you die and I don't want you to die no compromise he put on this robe this blanket that would hide his glory because he didn't want to kill anybody he had to make his body where men could touch him men could uh, torture him men could beat him and men could crucify him and kill him but if at any moment he had a tear just a little tear in that blanket they'd all be dead So he had to make sure he was fully enveloped by that blanket. And when Jesus rose from the dead, you know, we we often look, I've been reading the book of Hebrews again. Hebrews was the book for me coming out of the religion that I'm fourth generation, fourth generation uh, Seventh-day Adventist. Hebrews was the book. Seventh-day Adventists are sweet people. I just wish they would go after the other nine commandments as much as they go after the fourth. Thou shalt not commit adultery, but boy, they're in church on Sabbath." When Jesus appeared before the Father, the, the, it's, it's kind of like what went in my mind as I was part of that church, and until until helper touched my brain and went ding, and I wow. And we have a whole, we think Jesus rising to the father and the father says, son, yes, father. Did you do what we planned? Yes, father, here is a seat for you, son at my right hand. Sit there until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Yes, Father. Now, I, I don't think it went down that way. This was an incredible, uh, uh, an unthinkable plan. This was God, man. This was God. God. Oh man, this was God. And one of them, the Holy Spirit comes and says, "Now, are we sure about this?" Yes. Okay. Let's do it. I will be with you, Jesus. And when it was all done, and, and Jesus rises to the Father, the Father runs over to him. They hug each other, just, Yes! They high-five each other, and they both say, It is done! The kids are redeemed. God, Jesus, The Holy Spirit are madly in love with us. Why? I don't know. He didn't do this with the angels, He didn't do this with the fish or the bears. Monkeys, although we probably should have done it with the monkeys before man <clears throat> he did this for us and I, I'm I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. It's kind of like I'm I'm still two, two and a half weeks, maybe three weeks now. I haven't calculated it. That my brother has, has passed. And has gone to our home. I keep telling Claudia and and my kids. I I, I just, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that. My little brother. Well, he was 66. My little brother is no longer here. Maybe part of that is that they live in Texas and and we live here in North Carolina. But he's been my brother for sixty six years, you know. I'm about three and a half years older than my brother, and my sister's about three and a half years older than I am. Well, it's hard for me to wrap my head around Jesus doing this? I don't understand. Why not for the bears or the elk? Or, you know, you love them too because you made them? Why man? Why us? So what should be our response? Spit on him, turn away from him. Well, that, that's what a lot of the rest of the world does. Because they don't understand. And God still loves them. And that's part of our part of our job here. You know, I, I, I heard something while I was in the shower was listening to uh, uh, a talk, uh, Todd White. What a passion for Jesus he has. A lot of people critical of Todd. And I'm going, why? First of all, why are you being critical? Is, is, is that the job God's given you to do? If it's not, don't do it. And I just, I, I can't conceive of why they're being critical. Christian, brothers and sisters. Pastors have taught, I'm going to say most pastors, have taught their congregations that God requires tithing. Well, that's not true. That, that's in the Old Covenant. It's Malachi. In the Old Covenant, actually, if you're going to tithe in the Old Covenant, it, it's more around 40% and not 10, if, if you look at all the things they were supposed to give to. But now it's, what does the Spirit impress upon you? What does He talk to you about? How much does he say to, to give to your church? Maybe it's 20% or, or 30 or, or 50 you know, I don't know. But you're not required. Oh, boy, that's going to get me in some trouble. That's okay. We can talk about it. Trust Jesus. Trust the Spirit. Come on. Quit having sermons on tithing. I know. I said tithing. This is different. How about tithing our time to God? You know, we hear so much, "Oh, I, I don't I don't have time." I I I just don't have time. How how much is your salvation worth? Now, I'm not saying you're going to hell because you don't tithe your time. But do we realize what he's done? Man, I, I no compromise. It's, it's, I want to know him. I want to know this being who is madly in being, this God that's madly in love with me, that he would choose me over bears, you know? I mean, that sounds funny, but why not? They were created too. Just muse on that a while. Let's say tithing, we're going to tithe 10% of our time. 2.4 hours a day, come on. Well, there's 24 hours in a day. Okay, let's let's take off what we're sleeping. And let's take off, you know, you're getting up. Takes you an hour to get ready and all that. And let's take off, you know, one hour for that. And then another hour, you're winding down to, to get into bed. So let let's say ten hours. You you take ten hours off. So that leaves fourteen hours. How about tithing that to God? One point four hours a day. Oh Pat, I I I just can't. I well, as I tell my kids can't never could do anything. You know, it's not a guilt trip. I mean, if you can't, you can't. But tell God you want to and to show you how. The only way we're going to be madly in love with God is spend time with him. It's the only That's the only way I know. I'll practice it right with you. I'm not asking you to do anything I'm not doing. But this is for God, man. We spend so little time in His Word, and look what He's done for us. How about gratitude? Let's practice it together. We will not give up we will not give in press on no compromise
2: jesus delighted in the knowledge that one day we would grow up to become his habitation that he could come and dwell and abide in us i have called you friends for all things that i've heard of my father i make known to you He anticipated you being a man of prayer, a woman of prayer, and that he, in quiet times, could give you the secret of his heart. He would open this word to you. You would see things that nobody else saw or heard. He would speak life to you. This was why he delighted. I'm going to have a people. I'm going to have a bosom friend in my bride. Someone I can talk to. Someone I can share. The burden of my heart with his secret is with the righteous as scripture says he anticipated love relationship with you so intimately he rejoiced in the anticipation of his bride delighting in his word David himself in Psalms 118 19 describes what those gates are open to me the gates of righteousness and this is the believer, this is the child of God who goes daily to the Word of God anxiously getting the Word of the Lord on how to walk in righteousness and holiness. This is the one who says, I want to walk before the Lord with a pure heart. I want truth in the inner man and I can't get it from somebody else. I can't get it from books and takes. Oh God, I go to your Word and I wait at your gate, at the gate of righteousness. I wait for you to open that gate to me and folks that's the reason we beg and plead with you read this book daily because this is the gate of righteousness this is the gate here's Jesus rejoicing before the world was made rejoicing and delighting over what he anticipates he's looking into the future to the latter days he anticipates coming to his habitation so tell me now that you know that Jesus Anticipated before you were born. You have time for shopping. You have time for gardening. You have time for everything. And you have no time for God. You have no time for the bridegroom. And he anticipated this for eons. This was his delight. Before the world was created. He looked forward and longed that time with you. I'm not talking about going to church and listening to sermons. This is about people who are falling so short of what God had planned for their life, have missed it. He had it in his mind to draw you so close to himself. He had it in his mind to have such sweet fellowship with you, to open his heart, to fill you with the knowledge of himself. He had so many things he wanted to show you. He wanted you to be so in love with him that you couldn't endure a day without being shut in with him. He wanted to take away your weaknesses, your fears, your feelings of inadequacy, your rejection. He wanted to teach you how to know and hear his voice. Now I'm going to bring a solemn warning now. And folks, I am trembling. Jesus will not abide in a temple that ignores him, that neglects him. Absolutely impossible. When, when you don't go to your Bible day after day, week after week, when you don't seek the face of God, Nobody sees you through the week, except by here in prayer. You may come to all the meetings. You come to the meetings and, and that's it. That's it. But you have no personal relationship in private. You have no time for Him in private. If you don't hear what I'm about to tell you, all your work's going to burn when you stand before Christ. All your work's going to be going to stand empty, fruitless, nothing to bring to the Master. And all of that anticipation he had, all that great desire toward you, you've aborted. Now let me tell you, it's never too late to start over. Never. Lord, before this day is over, I'm going to get alone with you. And I'm going to rehearse this truth in my heart that I tremble at God's word. God hit my soul. God dealt with me and I receive it. And this chapter that chills me to the bone, chills me to the bone. It's shaken me to the core of my soul. And if you'd ask him where, where did this divine order came from, he, would just, uh, he wouldn't point to his half-million-man army. He wouldn't point to all the buildings he'd built and all the walls he'd built and all of the inventions that he had invented. He wouldn't point to any of that or of his own ability. He would say, the secret is, I go to my closet and I pray. I seek God, and in prayer he tells me what to do, where to go, and he gives me promises. That's all there is, no other secret than that. Now why would God send a prophet with a warning to a man who just won the greatest victory in his career, in his life? And God understands the danger of those who love him, those who are holy, those who are godly, the danger... Of becoming weary and relaxing and becoming spiritually lazy after the greatest victories isa i bring a word from god's throne to you be diligent now be diligent more than you've ever. you're going to need god more than you've ever needed him now you've had a great victory god has blessed you God has blessed you so, but now you're going to need it. You're going to be tested like you've never been tested in your life. Now, God wants to reward you. God has plans for you. Be careful lest you get so busy. Unless you get to building and into projects. Unless your family, lest your ministry, lest other things come in and track you and take your time. The anointing will lift. The favor will lift. The divine order will be gone. you will just be like every other generation that has failed. Lost their faith. And when he's 70 years of age, God came to George Mueller and said, You've been a man of prayer, but now I want you to pray more than you've ever prayed because I've got something else. I've got something for your last days. At 70 years of age, this man renewed His prayer life, this man sought God as he never sought Him. Even at 95, he was still preaching, he traveled for 25 years around the world and stirred and changed the lives of thousands of ministers because he stayed on his face. He didn't miss out, he didn't lose his faith, he didn't lose his anointing because he stayed on his face before God. And yet I can tell you the story after story of men of God who've been used, who had anointing, who were blessed of God, who were men of prayer, who were prophets and in their older age in their mid-sixties and in their seventies and i've been with some of them and all i hear are stories of old time religion or old revivals and there's no new word because the man is sitting in front of a tv set now he doesn't set my soul on fire i don't want my children my grandchildren who love to hear me pray who love to hear the voice of god through my lips I don't ever want my children to see the grief and shame of me sitting in front of a television all day never opening my Bible, not seeking God! Say, what happened to Dad? God, keep me broken! (laughs) God, keep this church broken! God, don't let us sit back on a crest of blessing and get lazy! and see this order come again to this house. We don't want to stand and sermonize in this pulpit. We don't just want crowds. We want your glory in this house, oh God. We want your glory in your power. Oh God, I tremble at your word. Let us tremble this morning that it's possible for godly men and godly women who once prayed? Who was at such an anointing to finally lose it? In this day of temptation when all hell is breaking loose, God help us determine I will seek God. I will seek God with all my heart and all my soul and all my strength and all that's in me. Examine your heart right now. Tell me, have you been on your face? Have you given God time every day now? Are you seeking Him at all? Are you crying out to Him? Are you praying and seeking God that He'll give you revelation of Himself? Are you seeking Him? Here's your prophetic word from heaven. If you seek me, you'll find me. If you continue forsaking me, I will forsake you. Right now, you set your heart
3: mom always told me about God. I think I had an idea that God was big and good, but as time went on and I saw more and more tragic things happen around me, I think that was the beginning of me just questioning everything about life and about God. When I was 10 years old, my stepdad came to pick me up and he said that my cousin, Kelly, was dead. I remember being so mad and really just just deciding that if God was big and good, why wouldn't he protect my cousin who is so tiny and so awesome, such a funny, brilliant little guy? Why wouldn't God protect him from a huge muscle guy like his stepdad who beat him to death? I remember thinking that same year that my cousin died, about the depth of the evil in the world. I never wanted to have kids. It was just a new person to suffer. That was the year I started to cry myself to sleep every night and stopped believing in God. I couldn't get away from my own depression. So I started studying other religions. There was a lot of nice ideas, but there wasn't any tangible healing. And I remember thinking, I'm tired of the pain in my heart. I'm tired of going to bed that way. I'm tired of feeling like a burden. I'm just tired of not knowing why I'm alive. And so I remember the night I laid in bed and I knew I was gonna commit suicide the next day. I knew that I was not gonna live past tomorrow. the day that I planned to commit suicide, I came home from school and my grandma was there and she wasn't supposed to be there. And she looked at me and said, there's something wrong with you. You're gonna go to church. I was like, no way, I'm going to church. And she screamed at the top of her lungs like we were fighting back and forth and I just didn't want to listen to her yell anymore. And so I decided, fine, I'll go and then afterwards, I'll go ahead and follow through with my plan. So I went to the back of the church and slumped down in my chair and hated everybody in the room and the pastor started speaking and I hated him more than anyone. And he says, there's a suicidal spirit in the room And of course, all the hair stood up on the back of my neck. And I was, well, this is really weird. (laughs) And I got up and went to the door. A white-headed man was standing there, and he stopped me. And it was like, the Lord wants me to speak to you. He wants you to know that even though you've never known an earthly father, that God will be a better father to you than any earthly father could ever be. God knows the pain in your heart. He's seen you cry yourself to sleep at night. The idea was so overwhelming to me. He's like, do you want me to pray for you so that Jesus can take the pain out of your heart? He put his hand on my shoulder and started to pray. It was as if the God of the universe showed up right in front of me. And the first thing I noticed was that God was holy and good. And the second thing I noticed was that I was so not holy and not good. If God had looked at me and said, go away forever, he would have been right, it would have been justice. The same time I felt that, I felt him inviting me to an embrace of grace and love, unconditional. It was like God was saying, I love you. I know you're tired of the way you've been living, and I will make you new if you will let me. My heart was just, yes, it just said, yes, I I need that. I want that. Please. And that's why I woke up the next day. I just felt such a peace and a joy, almost, that I'd never felt before. Jesus saved my life, and on top of everything else, the life of my son and the new baby. That wouldn't be if Jesus hadn't intervened and rescued me. The most overwhelming thing is to think that Jesus became sin, and it was my sin. And it was things that I've done the house and on the cross it was things that I've done he hung naked on a cross bleeding in a shameful way so that I would never have to be shamed for the things that I've done the truth is the truth is there is no other way besides Christ and what he did there is no life outside of that.
4: I ask Thee to stay Close by me forever And love me, I pray Bless all the dear children In Thy tender care And take us to heaven to live with thee there And take us to heaven To live with
0: is my going
5: chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name
6: Our address is Praise Broadcasting Network, P.O. Box 2468, Ashboro, North Carolina, 27204. You can also visit our website at www.pbnradio.com. Pat and Claudia love reading your email. You may send it to mail at pbnradio.com or call them at 336-626-PRAISE.